Hey, it's good to see everybody. Um, we are in a, a small little two-week mini-series, and uh, let me give you kind of how this, this came about. Uh, we just finished a series on end times. You can go to our YouTube channel, look up Shine Church CO for Colorado, and you can see all of our messages. And um, if, you want, if you have interest in end times, you can go through and, and hear those messages. And then we were going to transition out of that into uh, a series, and we're going to start that next week, but a series on just some practical ways to walk out our faith. And so we're really excited about what the Lord is showing us in regards to that. Um, but in the middle of the preparation for that, uh, we felt like the Holy Spirit began to change directions a little bit in regards to uh, just some circumstances and things that are going on here and now. And so last week, I, um, I, I introduced this two-week little mini-series, and if you didn't get to listen to it, would, would encourage you to go online. Um, it's really kind of uh, the foundation for what I'm going to be going into today. Um, but basically, the gist is this. Um, we are seeing, from a leadership standpoint, um, a shift in season. Um, and what I mean by that is, uh, in the Old Testament, um, we have the example of God leading the Israelites uh, a cloud by day, fire by night, they would set up camp, and when that cloud or that fire would move, all of Israel would pack up all of their belongings, and they would follow God to wherever he was going, and then uh, when he would stop, they would unpack, set it all back up, and whether they were there for just a couple days, a couple months, or a couple years, they would hang out where God was. And what we are seeing as a leadership team is that there seems to be a shift in um, the seasons of people's lives. And so one of the things we talked about last week is that this seems to be a very uh, uncomfortable season for many people. Amen? If you admit it, it doesn't, if you don't admit it, it doesn't mean it goes away. <laughs> um, and so I, I think the truth is, if you are either uncomfortable coming out of COVID and just all the different uh, social and life ex things that are going around, you either will probably find yourself uncomfortable or you know somebody that is uncomfortable. And so uh, we just wanted to address it and we wanted to talk about it and we wanted to have a discussion uh, at the family level. And so last week uh, we talked about just some of the seasonal things that are changing and even some of the things we're seeing right here inside of our church, what we're seeing in our nation and even in our world and how things are shifting, okay? This week I want to I want to give you a, a practical, you know, I always try to wrestle through um, my, in my mind mentally, where am I trying to go? What, especially in regards to our pillars, right? Engaging with God and one another, identifying how he sees us and, and his view of us, empowering us ultimately so that we can multiply into our community. I always try to filter what I'm speaking through one of those pillars. Um, and this particular message is going to be very practical from the mental engagement with God aspect of things, okay? Um, there's practical from, hey, why don't you go do this? And then there's the practical, why don't you think this? Yeah? And so this is one of those messages where I'm going to present some things that I hope will shift the way that you think about things and your relationship with the Lord, okay? So the foundation of the scripture that we were reading was Ecclesiastes 3, and it says this, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Second Timothy, when Paul was trying to help Timothy, Paul was about, I think he understood that he was about to be 
killed for his faith. And so he was writing letters to Timothy to encourage him on, on what he should do as he's leading people. And in uh, 2 Timothy, in the second letter that he wrote, he wrote this, uh, chapter 4, verse 2. He said, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Okay? Now, last week I gave you my damplified version of this verse. I don't know if you guys remember, but I will read it one more time. Um, and what I... What I mean by that is I go into Bible Hub and I start to pull out the Greek for every word and then I kind of write out, um, just kind of a paraphrase of what I think um, Paul was trying to communicate to Timothy. And here's my damplified. Proclaim the thoughts of the Father given through the Spirit in His Word, being present, ready, and prepared. I want you to remember those three words. Be present, ready, and prepared. Whether the current movement you are in is convenient and timely, or if it is untimely and inopportune. And so last week, we talked about that, that timeliness and, and having uh, seasons of opportunity, and then the untimely seasons in our lives that are very inopportune. But what I want to focus on today is being present, ready, and prepared. Because I believe that God has given us three anchors to moor ourselves to in seasonal change, okay? And those three anchors are trust, belief, and faith. Trust, belief, and faith. If you want to follow along, all my notes are in the YouVersion Bible app. You can pull that up and you can see these things. But again, three anchors, trust, belief, and faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now and we thank you for the fact that, Lord, you don't leave us just stranded here um, that you, you didn't just create us, put us here on earth, and, and then just have a mentality of good luck. But Lord, you actually put us here with a purpose and a plan. You want to communicate that to us. You want us to walk in those things. And Lord, you have given us uh, anchors to, to um, tie ourselves to so that um, when things begin to shift, when your cloud moves, when that fire by night moves, when you begin to ask us to change a direction in our life or a season in our life, God, you, you don't just ask us to do it um, just blindly, but Lord, you give us things to tie ourselves to so that in the midst of that shaking, we can still be grounded and be on a sure foundation. And so, Lord, I thank you for that, and I pray that you would communicate through me right now to every person listening that the life-giving word of of the fact that you build trust in our lives, you give us a belief to, to have a belief in, and Lord, you give us faith to walk by. And so, Lord, we thank you for these things, and I pray that you would just communicate to every heart through this message. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. So here's what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to break those three words apart because I think it's really important that we have an understanding that although they are pretty similar and they actually work hand in hand, and as a matter of fact, all three of them come from the root word that I'm going to go into in just a minute on trust. Um, but if we don't understand the differences and how they practically play out in our life, uh, then I think it gives the opportunity for the enemy to come in and maybe steal some of the joy, maybe steal some of the life that God wants us to have in the midst of seasonal change, okay? And so the first one we're going to look at is trust. It comes from the Greek word um, pytho, and it means this, to persuade, to be persuaded of what is trustworthy. Now, once again, belief and faith are going to tie back to this word. And so all three of them are a form of persuasion. 
okay? All three of them, God uses to persuade something in our life that draws us near to him in our relationship with him. This first one goes on, it's to, pre- to be persuaded of what is trustworthy. All right, so I'm going to give you um, what I believe, just in a quick little sentence, trust is. Trust is persuasion that comes from experience. Trust is persuasion that comes from experience. If you look it up in the dictionary, here's what um, it says for the definition. It's a firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. I'm going to read it one more time. Firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. Okay, trust, trust is, is something that we exercise each and every day. As a matter of fact, every single one of you exercised trust this morning. Uh, and here's how I know this. You walked into this place, and I didn't see a single one of you come up to your chair and feel it out. Ah, okay. Nope, not a single one of you did that. You know why? Because you've seen these things before. You've had experiences with these things. They might look a little bit different, but the concept of these things that we call chairs is there's four legs. They're created in a way that it will hold every single one of us, and we have learned through experience to trust our chairs. Yes? And um, here's what's interesting. If you come up to something that doesn't quite look like this, maybe it only has three legs, right, and it's spread out, I promise you, you won't be as trusting of that as you would be with these because we have an experience with these things. You know what? The same thing applies with our relationship with one another, yes? Trust is built in relationship. Most people don't just give their heart to somebody that they just met. They will enter into relationship, and they will begin to walk in that relationship, and as they learn one another and understand their personalities and um, that they are a person that does what they say they're going to do, they begin to put trust in that person. Here's one of the things that, you know, we talked about last week. You know what? We, we live in a world where people aren't entering into relationships anymore. We are just posting things on Facebook, and it's, it's actually creating a lack of trust in others. Yes? And what God is asking us to do is actually build trust in relationships with one another. But beyond that, I would submit to you, church, that God wants you and I to have a trust relationship with him. And he's not asking us to do it blindly. He actually, from time to time, will give us experiences in our life so that we can look back on those experiences and go, I trust the Lord because I've seen him do this before. Amen? Some scriptures that talk about this. Luke 16, 10 through 12. It says this, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own. Do you see the experience relationship in this 
section of verse talks about trust. If you look it up on Bible Hub, that will go back to this Python word. And it, it again, is a persuasion through experience with somebody. And so if you can be trusted with a little, guess what? Somebody can trust you with a lot. And so it's, it's a very practical concept that I think God wants us to understand. Um, not only, not only <laughs> in relation to him, but with one another. If you want to be trustworthy, be faithful with a little in your relationships with other people. If you want to have influence, make sure the person knows that you genuinely want a relationship with them and that you want out of that relationship, uh, honest conversations. Because when that comes, you start to build trust with one another. And if we can be faithful to little, I believe we'll be trusted with a lot. It goes on in 2 Timothy. Again, Paul teaching Timothy different things about um, and preparing him for ministry. It says this in chapter 1, verse 12. This is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed and am convinced Okay, that word convinced is this word trust. And I trust that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. And so what Paul is trying to communicate to Timothy is, hey, I have been around the block so many times with the Lord that I entrust in him my life. And I want, Timothy, you to do the same. And it's through the experiences that Paul had that he was able to write this section of scripture to Timothy. John 2. Now, while he was in Jerusalem, speaking of Jesus, at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. And so here's kind of the negative spin on this trust factor. Jesus had experience with mankind. Jesus had experience, especially with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and he actually wouldn't trust himself to them. The only one that he would truly trust himself to is the Father. And again, I'm just bringing out these scriptures because if you look up the word trust, these are some of the scriptures that will come up. These and I think of 82 other scriptures that come up. And so I encourage you, do your own Bible study, research this out, look into these things, and just understand that one of the mooring, or one of the anchors that God wants us to moor ourselves to is an understanding of trust. Okay, so now let's practically look at what this looks like, and I'm going to ask you to interact with me. If you're new to Shine Church, one of the things we do is pass around the microphone, and I will just ask sometimes answers to questions. In this case, I'm asking for a testimony and here's what I would like you to share, if you would be so bold. And that is this. What, or has there been a time in your life, an experience, where God came through for you in a particular way? And because of that, today, as we see things changing, as we see seasons changing, you have a trust in him because of something that he did in the past and came through that built that where you don't struggle. So let me give you, as you're thinking about that, let me give you one for me. Um, 25 years ago, Kim and I, um, we, we <laughs> packed up our house and we drove to Aiken, South Carolina to take a youth pastor position. We were a year and a half into our marriage. Um, I was a year and a half into my walk with the Lord. Um, and we had gotten a youth pastor position down there. And so we went down and um, we, we, were, we were green. 
I mean, we were green. We had no idea that we didn't know things, and we didn't even know that we didn't know. I, I mean, it was, it was just crazy. Uh, and so we, we go down there, and we are just doing everything that we can to be the best. I actually was the worship leader and the youth leader of a small little church. And so we're just serving and doing the very best that we can, um, and we were not getting paid very much. Um, as a matter of fact, we were barely, barely making it through. Um, and I remember one particular season where um, we would pay the bills. I, I do the finances, and I would write the checks. And sometimes I would write a check, and I would literally take our checking account down to like $3.50. Um, I know that nobody in this room has ever been there. <laughs> um, and so <clears throat> it, it's funny because I even use this, this testimony uh, to help in premarital counseling from time to time um, when we talk about finances because we used to fight about finances because Kim would go to Kohl's and buy like a $6 t-shirt and come home and say, I got this $6 t-shirt and I would lose my lid. I, I mean, I would just lose it and she couldn't understand why I would be freaked out about a $6 t-shirt. But what she didn't know is I had just wrote a check that took our checking account down to $3.50. Um, and so it, it was a tight, it was a tight time and we were this one particular month, we were in a really tight place where I had written uh, the checks for all the bills, and it was one of those times where we were down to just pennies in the checking account. But in this particular case, we had no food. We didn't have anything. I mean, the cupboards were pretty barren, and, um, and we had a, a little, little baby. I can't remember exactly how old Andrew was, but I do remember um, just, you know, what are we going to do? Um, and I will never forget this day, driving into this neighborhood, coming down. We, we lived in a cul-de-sac that was around a corner. And so come down the street, turn around the corner, and I look, and my driveway, my garage door is totally blocked with all of these grocery bags. And I was so mad that I couldn't get into my garage because of all these groceries. Just kidding. Just see if you're listening. Um, <clears throat> I had to literally pull the car up into the driveway, stop, and Kim and I had to take like four or five loads of these bags into the house. And it was, I, I mean, it filled our cupboards, and it was, I just remember the, the joy that just started to fill our hearts as God met a need where we were, we were in, in dire needs. Um, and, and I... I don't even know, to this day, I have no idea who bought the groceries. Uh, I don't know how they knew, because we were, to be quite honest with you, we, we kind of had that, that, you know, pastor pride of everything's okay, and we're not telling anybody of the need, we're not telling anybody what's going on, and so um, it, it, was, it was truly a divine moment in our lives. Okay, so how does that affect me today? Well... From that moment forth, now just to give you a picture of this, before that, if you had asked me if I tithed, I would have told you, uh, kind of. Because of the struggle, when you're so tight and you're giving money to a church, when you don't have food in your cupboards, um, didn't quite line up and make sense in my mind logically. Um, but I was in a church that was like, if you don't, you're not going to work here. So I was like almost forced tithe. If you, if you get that. Um, but 
here's, here's what happened. God used that experience to build a trust in my heart and in my mind where that anytime now God asks us to give something or to do something that maybe we're lacking in, we have no, we have no problem with it because we know from past experience that God finds a way to come through. That God finds a way to come through. And so through that experience, it's an area of our life that we just, we really just don't struggle in any longer because God has built a, a trust in that particular area. I wish I could tell you that every area in my life, I have great trust. I don't, but I will tell you when it comes to those things, there's this big trust because God has always been faithful and he has proved himself over and over through experiences. If that if that makes sense. Okay, I want to hear from you guys. Anybody, does this stir up a testimony that you, yes, all right. Please state your name again just so everybody knows and share the story. Hi, I'm Laura, and I have journals filled with all kinds of stories. So I was praying, asking the Lord which one to tell, and he said, tell the most recent one. So I said, okay. Um, so just this last week, um, I was just at a point with the Lord where He's been asking me a lot of tough questions, and um, at the core of just who I am, I think there was this tension of, like, believing this lie of, like, nobody sees me. And so I was just asking the Lord, like, I'm like, I know you see me, Lord, but I just, like, that's, that's the cry of my heart. And he was like, well, what if I'm the only one who sees you? Like, is that enough? And I was like, ooh, okay, uh, yes. And so anyway, I'm having this conversation. I'm crying, I'm praying, and I mean, unbeknownst to anyone else. And the next day, I get a text from a friend, and she's like, I was praying for you this morning, and I heard the word seen. And I was like, you're kidding me. <laughs> like, thank you. And it was just the Lord reaffirming to me that he sees me, he knows me, mm -hmm. he hears me, and that was just so, it was, it was that experience of him building even more, like, confidence and trust That's with me, and so, so that was just so sweet. Love that. Thank you for yeah. sharing that. So good. Mm -hmm. Somebody else? Two was trying to decide which story to share. So I have two. They'll be really brief. One is, and I don't always like to focus on the financial because yeah. I think sometimes it's really hard. But I had recently been divorced, and I had five dollars. I had three children, and I had five dollars. And I was at church, and I was like, "I'll put it in the in the pot as it went by." And um, I got a call on on the phone, which is so strange. So is that CSU? I'm trying to make this short. And I got a call from an organization that said, hey, you won this scholarship. We have this money for you. And it was in the middle of a semester, like a very strange way to get money for schooling. And they said, we just thought you would need a little extra to finish. It was uh, towards the end of a semester. And I was like, yeah. And she said, well, could you come up with the amount that you would need and get that to me and we'll get it to you as soon as you can. So I was able to write out the amount I needed for my rent and the things for the kids. And I still don't know what the organization is. Like, I was never able, like, I have a list of all my scholarships, and I don't know who that was. So that was kind of crazy. And then the other one was <laughs> my... And wait, and they wrote a check? And they wrote a check? Yeah, wrote me a check. I got the money. 
Or no, they, they deposited it to the school, so I had the money in an account. Oh, so I didn't even get a check. Just, I just got okay. the amount I wanted. So that was kind of cool. So I, too, I'm not super worried about money. Yeah. I'm like, comes out of the sky, apparently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, um, prior to that, I was pregnant with my third child, and I'd had a terrible delivery the first time. Was very, very scared of having babies. Had another one, but on this third one, I'm like, I'm going to do this differently. I always thought, I have to be so strong to get through labor. But this time, I just, I prayed with every contraction, just thank you. Thank you, God, that you created my body to do this. Thank you for the strength of this contraction. Thank you that you know this. And this is the fun part, is I was in the labor and delivery area, and I looked at the clock, and it was just spinning, 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 spinning. I'm like, I want to know how close my contractions were, but it stopped at a time. And I was like, okay, well, that's kind of weird. And the nurse came in, and she goes, how are you doing? I'm like, well, pretty good, but the clock's broken. And she goes, no, it's not. It's fine. And then I realized that was the time the baby was going to be born. And I was like, I can do this. God knows when he's going to be born. And wow. so I was like, bring it on. I have an hour and a half. And that's when the baby was born. So, it was, so now I always just think, he knows what's coming. He, he knows. Yeah. And if we can just trust him, we'll get there. So good. Thank you for sharing that. And I'll keep knowing. Uh, yeah. And then the next one. <laughs> okay. How about one more? Just since you mentioned seasons of transition, um, we've had a lot of those in our married life. Um, <clears throat> one of them, when we were uh, in our late 20s, we moved to China um, with these two kids. And, um, and it was great. And um, we... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you could hear the sarcasm, but I saw it when she was saying yeah. it. Um, we just were stripped of like every friendship, every every like coping mechanism that we had in life, good food, TV, comforts, uh, anything that was normal, the ability to get in the car and just drive somewhere and like lay on the accelerator a little too hard. Like just everything that like was a stress reliever in our life was completely gone. And so we desperately needed the Lord. And it took us maybe a half minute, but we did really press into the Lord. And, um, and we talk about that season in China with such fondness um, mm. because it was such a precious season of the Lord being near to us and revealing himself to us and, and really pruning things away that we didn't need um, in our marriage and our lives. And, um, and so since then, we've had a lot of other transitions. And, um, and I do gird myself up for them just a little bit because I know it's not easy, um, but I look forward to them. Because I know that there's nothing more comforting than, like, the presence of God when we press into him and, and when we don't have kind of those other things to turn to. Um, so and so just there's been a change in the way I approach difficult things, like, almost in every area of my life where I'm like, you know what? I just know that it's going to be so good with the Lord. And it's, that's so much better than, like, so circumstances good. that seem right on the yeah. surface. Thank you so much for sharing that. All right, so, so trust. God will use circumstances, um, and he will give us experiences that ultimately builds up trust in our lives. And so as seasons shift, if you're going through a change right now, uh, I want to encourage you, practically, <clears throat> excuse me, practically look back and um, just ask the Holy Spirit to remind you of a time in the past that may be similar. So Lauren shares about, you know, going... 
and, and having to transition out into an uncomfortable place. Well, now when God asks them to do that, um, my encouragement to you, and I'm sure that you do that, is, oh, remember how God used that. And so I doesn't make it easy, doesn't make it necessarily fun, but you can have joy in the midst of that seasonal change because you know that God has come through in the past and there's a, there's a trust in him that he'll come through again. Now, if the seasonal change that you're going into right now, you, you pray and the Holy Spirit doesn't give you any experience, then maybe God is taking you through something new because he wants to give you a new experience to be able to build your relationship with him on. Okay? And if that's the case, it's really hard to stand on that leg or that foundational of trust because you haven't had that experience. So let's talk about the second one, and that is belief. All right. Uh, if you look up the word belief or I believe, it's pastuo. It's a verb. It comes again from pytho, and it means to persuade or be persuaded. And it goes like the, it reads this way: believe, affirm, have confidence, used of persuading oneself, and with the sacred significance of being persuaded by the Lord. Here's my sentence in regards to belief. It's a persuasion that comes from facts, whether right or wrong. It's a persuasion that comes from facts, whether being right or wrong. The dictionary speaks to it this way. Accept something as true, feel sure of the truth of. Okay? Um, the, the picture that I want you to, to, to get is that no matter uh, whether it's right or wrong, we can be persuaded by people telling us different uh, facts and figures, if you will. Uh, somebody gives evidence, testimony, right? We are either convinced for or against based on the facts that are delivered. Logically, this is where our brain starts to activate a lot. And what we find is that we can be convinced, sometimes wrongly, of something by, by somebody who's very convincing with facts and figures, Yes? There are people in this world that lose thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars because somebody comes in and convinces them that financially they'll be better if they'll invest here or if, if they will drive this particular way, everything's good, and it turns out to be just a nightmare and a trick. And, um, so people will use this persuasion to trick people often, um, but the, the, the mooring or the anchor point that God wants us to moor onto is the fact that he is a God that has given us many facts and figures about what we believe. All right, this book um, plays into this anchor tremendously. We have this anchor for our souls, and we are to tie ourselves to this. This is a book full of facts, figures, evidences, testimonies, of the goodness of God, okay? Let me read a few scriptures and then we'll talk about belief. First John 5, starting verse nine. Even if we accept human testimony, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony that God has given about his son. Whoever believes in the son of God has this testimony within him. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given about his son. That's the word that we're talking about right now. Believed in the testimony. And this is that testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. My, um, my guess 
is that almost everyone in this room, at some point, this scripture all of a sudden became alive to them. And they began to realize, oh my gosh, all of this book right here is a testimony giving evidential proof of how much my father loves me. That he would send his son Jesus to die on my behalf and Jesus walked and talked on this planet and he said some incredibly bold things like I am the only way to the Father. But as we read that, at one point, maybe some of you were even like, oh my gosh, that is so narrow-minded. I can't believe anybody would believe that. And then all of a sudden, through the evidence and, and through getting told that over and over, all of a sudden, intellectually, there's something that switched and you're like, oh my gosh, I see these people who have such life, who have embraced this, and those that don't, don't have that life. And so through some kind of um, process, God begins to seize our hearts and our minds, and all of a sudden, he uses the truth of the word of God to begin to convince us of just how true he is and how real he is. And as we shift in changes and seasons, maybe you're going into something that, again, you've never had an experience with. Um, here's what I would recommend. Get with other people that are, have gone through what you've done and ask them what God did for them. Because as they share their testimony, guess what? All of a sudden the facts of their life, the evidence that they present, all of a sudden can stir in you a belief in him, okay? Another scripture, John 10, 24. The Jews were there gathered around him, Jesus, saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. I have given you the facts. I have told you why I'm here. I have shown you different things, but you will not believe. And this is, sorry, the works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. And again, if you look it up at Bible Hub, you'll see that believe word is the same word, all right? It's, it's just understanding, being persuaded through this, the testimony, through the facts of, of just his life and of who God is. John 14, 11, Jesus says, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And then he says, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Church, I know that you know this, most of you know this, but there are story after story after story in the Bible that prove out the fact that your father loves you. And Jesus walked and talked on this planet and he did amazing things. Take that to heart and let that be one of the anchors that you moor yourself to. Understanding that these authors are authentic. This book uh, well, I'll talk about it in a minute. It, it's just, it's true and it's right. And it's, the stories have been evidenced not just by one or two, by, but in some cases, hundreds of people that have told this story. There's great, there's great comfort in knowing that you're not believing in something because just one person said something. But you're believing in something because there's evidence that comes around and proves the point. Mark 9, verse 21. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has it been like this? Now, before I read, continue on, let me give you the picture of this. Um, this man had brought his son to the disciples, and the disciples tried to cast the demon because he was possessed out of him, and it didn't, it didn't happen. They weren't able to do it. And so the father goes to Jesus and says, hey, would, would you do this? And Jesus says, how long has it been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us 
and help us. I love Jesus' response. If you can, if you can, um, I, that's just a confidence, right? <laughs> just if you can, I, I can do this. <laughs> Said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. I love the Father's response. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Church, there are times in our lives where we are going to be convinced of the evidence and we know that God can do certain things and yet there's still a part of us that maybe feels a little hindered. And it's, it's right here in this scripture that God helps us to navigate and how to keep um, our mooring line tied to this anchor by saying, hey, you know what? Confess and profess your belief but then also confess to God your unbelief and ask him, help me in my unbelief. I believe in you, God. I believe you can do this. But you know what? There's, there's still just a little hesitation of doubt. You know what? Every single person struggles with doubt from time to time. Pastor Janelle did a great message second week in June. Go back and listen to it on doubt. We all struggle with it from time to time. So here is, here's my, my practical thinking for you today, and that is simply this. Don't give in to the doubt, but just say, Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. Help me in this particular area. Now, again, I'm going to ask for a testimony in maybe something that somebody said to you at some point that maybe got you intellectually, that made you think, oh my gosh, maybe this God thing is real, or maybe something that God wanted to tell you through somebody else. Here's what happened for me. Early on in my faith journey, um, I was struggling, wasn't sure what to, what to believe, where I was on this, and I had a gentleman hand me a book by Josh McDowell that was called More Than Just a Carpenter. And More Than a Carpenter is, is a smaller, shortened, dumbed-down version of uh, another book he wrote called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. So if you like to read and you like to be scholarly in regards to what you read, read Evidence That Demands a Verdict. If you're like me that wants it simple, short, and a small book, pick up More Than a Carpenter. Um, but somebody gave me this book, and as I was reading it, he begins to go into just the evidences of Jesus. The fact that he walked and talked on this planet and that it's not just the biblical uh, historians that recognize that there were other historians of the time that wrote about him. Um, the things that he did, again, other historians wrote about that. And it just begins to pull apart the authenticity of even those writings and how the, the writings of the Bible are way more authentic than any of the history books that you would read in school. And yet we don't have any problem saying that those books are authentic. And yet a lot of people will go, well, how do you know the Bible is real? Well, let me tell you, facts and figures say it's one of the most authentic books ever written ever written. And so you can have a confidence when you read something like that. And there was something intellectually in me that put my mooring line into that anchor. When I read through that book and somebody gave that to me and was willing to share that with me, because as I read it, all of a sudden something started to stir in me. And I, I started to go, you know what? I think I believe in this guy. I think I believe in this guy, Jesus. And I think, therefore, I believe that I have a father that loves me because he would send Jesus. And so it began to shift and, and anchor me into a foundation. And it's through just the facts and figures, the evidences that were provided. So um, just a testimony from you guys. Anybody have a testimony? Kyler, he's got the mic, so he gets to go. Cheating <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Kyler, um, for me, it was the uh, martyrdom of the uh, apostles and the disciples. Mm. Um, you see martyrdom of Christians 
all the time. And these are people who are believing in the words of God. They're believing in the testimony of others. They're not, they're not the ones who have walked alongside Jesus in his flesh at that time. But then you also have all 12 disciples, save for the one, uh, that all died professing that they saw what they saw. All of them went to their graves saying, we saw what we saw. And to me, that was so impactful because if they're looking for some sort of earthly benefit, they're not going to go to their death yeah. from this. Yeah. They must have seen what they saw or believed what they saw or else they would not have done so. So I, more than a carpenter I, actually speaks to that as well. So I, there's, again, more evidence right here. A couple different books, a couple different authors, a couple different things that actually point to the fact that these men, they died for this. They believed it so much. Um, I, you know, it's hard to get one person to, to die for a lie, but dozens of people, um, it's, it can create a belief in somebody. It can stir something like, oh, okay, man, this is, this is true. Somebody else. Maybe a testimony of where somebody, right here. Uh, my name is Rebecca. And so I was fortunate enough to have been born to Christian parents. And so I just sort of always grew up believing. And when I was young, I remember thinking, well, I don't really have a testimony. You know, like, I just walking along here, you know, doing my thing. And, you know. I've always no, known God. Exactly. Yeah. No, like, true conversion point. So when I was, um, after high school, I was with YWAM, which for those of you who don't know, it's Youth with a Mission. They do, like education stuff, admission trips, etc. So I was in my first YWAM school, and I went through, like, a period of time where I just decided, well, I, I don't really know that I've seen evidence. You know, like, I don't know if I do believe God exists. And what I wanted to be able to believe that was I wanted to feel his love. Like, I wanted to just, like, feel the love feeling that God loved me. And so it was like two weeks of like crying and on the phone with my parents and trying to figure it all out. And eventually I just got over it. Like I'm stuck in YWAM. I have to kind of just keep going on the God track here. So it was months later. I was actually in the second YWAM school. And um, I had a dream one night. And that part I won't get into. It's a long story. So I had a dream that night. Um, and then when I woke up the next morning, I I didn't remember it, and then we were in prayer time later, and um, one of the women praying for me, she said, she was praying for me, and she said a word which triggered the memory, and, or the memory of the dream, and the dream was basically, you know, God showing me that, that, that I'm not, sorry, it's like, how do you tell the whole story without telling the whole story? <laughs> anyway. It's difficult. So... But once the dream was triggered, I realized that God was trying to show me that he does love me. Yeah. And to show me, like, all the lies from the devil that I had believed yeah. over and over and over again. And so that sort of was like an axe head moment where love, you know, we treat it like a feeling, but it's more concrete than that. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> anyway, all that to say, even if I don't, like trust him in other ways all the time, I, I do know that, like, oh, I have this axe head moment where I know I had the dream. I know it was triggered by somebody else. And, you know, just proof that God 
Did yeah. love me. That's not just so a feeling. Good. Love it. And all of a sudden now, your intellect and your mental state is like, I believe. I believe because he put these circumstances together and had this person. Interesting that in a lot of these testimonies, they all involve other people. The body of Christ, God has put us together in a wonderful way. And what's interesting is that if you don't have that understanding and realize that God may want to use you to speak into somebody, I, I'm just thinking um, people that don't call and say, hey, I just got this word for you. Uh, I, if, you if that person doesn't do that, then that's not confirmed, and then that doesn't build trust. And so um, when I just encourage you, if the Lord is speaking to you about somebody else, hey, take the time to send a text or give them, because that actually may be um, the Lord building up a trust, or if God gives you maybe some convincing proofs that, and he tells you to share it with somebody, man, go share it with somebody, because that could be the thing that stirs some, somebody to a place where they believe in something that they were struggling in their belief, and it's interesting how God will use you and I to, to do this, yeah? All right, let's go into the third one, faith. So we have got trust, we have a f belief, trust being persuasion through experiences, belief, persuasion through facts, figures. Um, let's talk about faith. It's the word pistis. It comes from, again, uh, pytho, uh, properly persuasion. Faith is always a gift from God and never something that can be produced by people. In short, faith for the believer is God's divine persuasion and therefore distinct from human belief yet involving it. Now, they're all tied in, but they're all separate. They're all different. Here's my little sentence for faith. Faith is persuasion that comes from revelation. Faith is persuasion that comes from revelation. So we have persuasion that comes from experiences. We have persuasion that comes from facts, from evidence uh, that, that proves things intellectually to us, mentally, and then we have a persuasion that comes from a divine revelation from the Lord. Now, we have got this word, in my opinion, terribly wrong in the church. And let me tell you, um, let me read some things. All of the, most of this comes from Bible Hub, so go into it. You can read it yourself. I'm not making this up myself, um, but even in the dictionary definition, I think that we just have faith wrong. Here's what the dictionary says faith is. Complete trust or confidence in someone or something. I'm going to scroll back up. Dictionary for trust. Firm belief in reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. Dictionary definition of faith. Complete trust or confidence in someone or something. We have taken the word faith and we have tied it in and almost made it trust. And I think it's absolutely an incorrect. And why is that important? Pastor Dana, maybe just semantics. I would submit that it's not. Because if the Lord, or sorry, if the enemy of our soul can get us to think wrongly about faith, he strips some power from us. If we think faith is just trust in God and we speak that way, then it becomes this really common thing. So for instance, many people will say, Pastor Dan, we came in today and we had faith in these chairs. No, you did not. Faith only comes from God. You had trust in these chairs. You had trust in these chairs. 
you did not have faith. Okay? Faith only comes from God. And when we say we have faith in these chairs, what we are doing is stealing away and robbing away the divine revelation that God wants to give us, and we're making it very common. And anything in the Bible that I see where you mix the holy with the common, there's death. And the enemy of our soul would love to strip faith away from us and make it just like trust. And even in the definition, it's just wrong. Interestingly enough, the Bible defines faith for us. I can't find a definition in the Bible for belief. I can't find a definition for trust in the Bible. But very clearly, there's a definition in Hebrews for faith. Verse 1 says this. Now faith is. What comes next is the definition. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Okay, you want a definition of faith? You have to be confident in what you hope for and you have to be absolutely certain of what you don't see. Amen! Amen! Here's the truth, and I know I say this over and over and over, especially since we started this church, I keep saying this, but I absolutely, I absolutely know that every single one of us struggles to be certain of what we don't see. That's, that's just incredibly difficult to embrace. And yet, five verses later in Hebrews eleven six, 6, it says, it is impossible to please God without faith. Oh, get this, church. Oh, and this was not... Man, I didn't teach any of this last night, so this is, this is just for you. Um, listen, listen. If the enemy can come and steal what faith means, guess what? Now we can't please God. If we think faith is just simply a trust, and we have, I have faith in Justin. I have faith in, in the chair. I have faith in my iPad. I, we, man, we're just making it super common. We are stealing away the life power that comes from the persuasion through revelation that God wants us to have. And that's what gives us the confidence to be able to say, I'm pleasing God because I'm walking in faith. Okay, to walk in faith means that we have to get it from God. Let me read you some things from, again, Bible Hub. In Scripture, faith and belief are not exactly the same. Faith always comes from God and involves his revelation. Therefore, faith is beyond belief. Faith is God's work. Faith is never the work of people. We cannot produce faith ourselves, nor can we drum it up at will. Rather, faith comes as Christ speaks his rhema word within. Man, it's so interesting because I'm sure you've been in church for long enough to hear somebody say, well, I'm just going to go by faith. What does that mean? <laughs> what does that even mean? I just, I, I'm just going to believe in God and by faith. I I don't know what that means, and unfortunately, it strips the power away from God and what he wants to speak into and through us in our life. It's not something you stir up. It's not something that you do. It's not something that you accomplish on your own. Um, one of uh, the people that call this the family sent me, heard that we were teaching on this, and actually sent me uh, a couple quotes from a book that he is reading that is dealing with doubt. But I find it very interesting. Uh, in a book called The Sound of Life's Unspeakable Beauty, I have not read this book, but this quote just resonated with me that he sent to me. It's by Martin Skletsky, and it's, he, he writes this. No one has faith. 
Faith is not something that you can save or pile up. It cannot be stored in a barn or brought out as if it were a possession. You cannot say, I've stored up faith all of these years. Now I have peace. No, we can gain faith only in the moment when we need it. In good times, it seems like our lives sail along effortlessly, but when doubt lies heavy on us and troubles, pain, fears, and frustrations oppress us, then it is necessary and therefore possible to learn trust. When we ask, where is my faith? The answer is, it was never there. It was never property nor a possession. We receive it only when God teaches us to trust him. Okay, let me, let me, let me try to give you my understanding of this. When it says, where is my faith? The answer, it was never there. Okay, we, we, we treat faith as this thing that we're stockpiling. As a matter of fact, many people will say this, what's your faith? Boy, that is, oh, that's a terrible use of the word. What's your faith? Well, I'm Buddhist. No, you're not, because faith only comes from God, Jesus himself. So Buddhists, Muhammad, they don't have faith, they have a belief system. They have a trust that they're putting in. Faith only comes from Jesus Christ and him crucified. Bible study for you. Those that want to just see, I mean, I know maybe this is new for some. Faith is eerily absent in the Old Testament. The word faith, you'll find it maybe once or twice, and it has nothing to do with the persuasion. It's just not there. And in the New Testament, once Jesus dies and ascends to the right hand of the Father, all of a sudden, faith is all over. All over. Look it up. See if I'm telling the truth or not. It is a gift that God gives us through his son, Jesus Christ. And it is a persuasion that comes from revelation. Not only does the Bible define it for us, but the Bible speaks to how we get it. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. Okay. Um, forgive me because I know some of you have heard this teaching. If you have heard it, um, it, just don't answer my questions for me. But in regards to this verse, it's really important to focus on the verbs and the nouns. Verb is What? It's an action, right? So it's something that we do, right? What's a noun? Person, place, or thing. Mike, you guys remember those grammar classes and all of those things, right? It, it's, it's, it's really something you can't obtain. It's, it's a thing. It's a, something that was given to you. Okay. Faith comes by hearing. Let's talk about the word faith. Real quick, show of hands. How many of you think that faith there is a verb? How many think it's a noun? How many of you are confused? Okay. <laughs> Faith in this verse is a noun. So I want you to understand that once again, the word of God itself proves this to be over, true over and over and over, and that is this. Faith is a gift of God. It's not something you do. It's not something you stir up. It's something that God gives you. Okay? It's 
a gift from God. It's why Jesus, in my opinion, said, it is better that I go so you can receive the Holy Spirit. Why? So that the Holy Spirit can speak to you because faith comes when I speak. It's why it wasn't in the Old Testament except for a few cases because the Holy Spirit wasn't in every person that called upon the name of the Lord. It's a gift. All right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Hearing. Raise your hand if you think hearing is a verb. Okay? How many of you think hearing is a noun? Couple? How many are confused? Okay, I have a few of us. Church, the word hearing is a noun, which means that God is promising that I will speak to you. I want to give you the gift of faith by giving you my voice. And you don't do anything other than open your ears to listen because he promises he will speak to you. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. If you go on and read the next verse, it talks about those that aren't operating in faith because they do not hear that word here. It's a verb. Look it up. Go to Bible Hub. Study this out. Here's why I go into this. Because it's super important to grab a hold of this, in my opinion. Because if you will let the enemy make faith just a common word that we use for one another in interaction and even what we believe in, then we walk away from the understanding that it is a holy thing that God wants to give to us. It's a persuasion that comes through revelation by the gift of his voice speaking to us. God wants to give us faith. He wants to give us his voice, and he wants us to understand that when he speaks to us, guess what? We can be certain of what is coming. The problem is the enemy is trying to steal away God's voice. He's trying to take that away. And I'm submitting to you that God is speaking to us always. But when we make faith just a common word of trust, we miss uh, the persuasion that God is trying to convince us to. Okay. What does this look like? When God asked us, Kim and I, to move from Aiken, South Carolina to come help Pastor John at Jubilee Fellowship, um, <laughs> 1999, um, I was told I wasn't in the vision for the church. <laughs> And it was confirmation because God had already shared us and stuff. So, so, so many cool God stories. But in the middle of that, we're praying, what do we do? What do we do? And through the process of those prayers, I have this thought process that begins to take place. And I genuinely feel the Lord begins to speak to me, serve the pastors of Jubilee Fellowship. I will promote you to associate pastor, and then you'll be a senior pastor yourself. And so Kim and I decide, okay, let's move back and help Pastor John start Jubilee Fellowship. And so we load up the trailer. We have a two-year-old. We have a one-month-old. And we move to Colorado. No house, no job, just the voice of the Lord. Okay. Many times in seasonal change, church, God will speak something to us and then go, I'll be there when you get there. 
And it's nerve-wracking. And many people won't actually step out in faith because they just don't know what the next step is. But many times, as we talked about last week, God doesn't light up the whole path. And if he does, he just gives us a quick glimpse like he did for me. Quick glimpse and then right back to the next stone that we're supposed to walk on. And so we stepped out in faith because we knew that God had told us to do this. But man, we, we just didn't know what, what we were going to do. But you know what? I never wavered because God had provided groceries in front of our garage door. And I knew he would provide. So I, I, there was just a confidence in me be, that we were going to get a job. We were going to get a house. Um, I didn't know what it was going to look like. And long story short, sure enough, he provided for all of those things. And I start serving at Jubilee. And four years later, I get hired full time. Um, <laughs> Ten years later, I got promoted to associate pastor. Five years later, Pastor John came to me and said, hey, I think you should go take Castle Rock Campus and start your own church. And I said, you're wrong. <laughs> you are wrong. And then he said, well, we'll pray about it. And many of you guys know the testimony. I had a dream that night, and God said to say yes to the church. And so here we are in the exact same place. God has given direction, but we have no idea what it's going to look like. And we step out and begin to move. And we have a trust and we have a belief because of past experiences and because of just the facts that God has shown. One of the convincing things that made Kim and I do that is as Kim was telling her father about all the things that, that had happened in the last week, I realized if anybody had come into my office and told me all of these things, I would look at them and said, what are you waiting for? There's so many evidences that God is moving in this. And that was one of the convincing things for us to step out and do this. But I remember starting this church one of the greatest fears that I had is, how am I going to come up with a message every single week? <laughs> but again, just a peace that came over me because God has always provided his voice and, and given me things to say. And so I was just like, okay, God, I trust you. He didn't give me 200 messages so I could go. You know what? He just gave me the next week's one. <laughs> And he continues to do that. And so every Tuesday or Wednesday morning, I'm freaking about what I'm going to say. So that's why I let Peter teach and DJ and Janelle. And <laughs> Just kidding. We'd love to have multiple voices. Uh, but it's, it's in stories like that. Um, and so real quick, anybody have a testimony of where God spoke? And maybe you didn't have the trust or the belief yet in that. But as you stepped out, maybe those things, the trust and belief, it's what build built for you to, to move into a seasonal change. Oh boy, you're going to make me cry, John. My name's John. Uh, I don't have the end result yet, but uh, in two weeks we are moving to Texas, and I don't have a job down there. So uh, we're just trusting that we will find uh, a job and financial stability and um, yeah, it'll be good for our family. Yeah, and he's done it before. So, yeah, 2020, I was unemployed um, before COVID, and then when COVID hit, still was unemployed. Um, so we were able to go through 2020, um, making the mortgage payments and um, finding groceries for our family. So by his grace, yeah. That's good. And despite the fact that I prayed that they wouldn't sell their house, that they wouldn't find a house, uh, somehow God keeps overriding my prayers. We're going to miss you guys. Uh, but understand, God is totally moving, and it's, it's absolutely amazing. 
Um, yeah, this is one of many, I'll say. <laughs> but when I was uh, much younger, I, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church in Texas. And um, through a lot of circumstances, God uh, basically filled my Sunday school teacher with the Holy Spirit. And then she shared that with me and two other girls that were in her, her smaller class. And it started, <laughs> it started a huge hunger and thirst in me for more of God. And really long story short, um, few a uh, few years later, I, I became like um, a youth intern in that same church. Um, I had been doing that for probably a year or two um, and found out about this church. I felt like God was saying, you know, I could go to this church where I could really get fed. And it was not the Baptist church, but um, that was a great one too, by the way. But um, anyway, I started visiting on a really early service, like 7.30 in the morning. So I had time to get back to the church and do all my stuff there, everything I had to do. And um, one morning, a person in this kind of small congregation at 730, yeah. right? But a um, person got up and gave a word from the Lord, and he said, today is your day. You need to move. And I just, like, I, it hit me like a bomb, you know. And I was just like, oh, what am I supposed to do, Lord, you know? And he just, like you said, step by step. Um, but I... I had grown up in that church. Um, it was what I knew and loved it and all that, but he promised me that he would take me into more, and man, has he done that <laughs> so, ever since. Yeah. yeah. So as you're saying that, I'm actually reminded, one of the reasons we're doing this two-week little series is because we're seeing that that's happening mm. just even in churches today. I spoke with a pastor friend in um, South Carolina, and he had just gone to a pastoral conference. And one of the things that um, one of the leaders of that conference said is that one of the things that church leaders are seeing is that churches are turning over 65% of their people. Wow. All these churches, they're not growing. They're not decreasing. It's just like a seasonal shift. Um, and I don't, I'm going to be completely transparent with you, I don't know what to think about that. Because I'm like, if this is your church, stay at your church. But yet I also know that God moves you from time to time. Um, and so we, we're addressing that because we want everybody to know that I don't think this is just an isolated few people. I just am seeing, again, this weekend, Pattons are here. Lori Bixler's here. The Shugarts, Scott and Cindy, um, they, they've moved already to Kansas City. I, I mean, just dear, dear families here. Um, other people are feeling transitions to other churches. And yet we're seeing... Uh, several new people come in and make the transition. It, it's just interesting. God will be speaking season. That's why we're doing this is because we want you all to know that God seems to be shifting and moving. And so be okay with that and allow God to speak to that. Maybe read Ecclesiastes 3. There's a season for everything and, and process that through what God is showing you. All right, let me conclude. Let me finish. Um, it, actually, Peter, I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> Can I put you on the spot? Can you bring the mic over to Peter? Um, 
Last week, Peter announced a transition that he has felt like the Lord has spoke to him. Can you speak to this a little bit? Because I told, I told the group last night, and now I'll stay here. When we were discussing this little mini-series, we got into talking about, I started talking about trust and belief and faith, and I got into it, and Peter was like, you have to teach that. Why? Yeah, so I think for me, like, I have, in this transition of my life, so if you guys haven't heard already, so I, at the end of the summer, I'm actually stepping away from ministry, um, which is crazy. Sorry, I'm, like, so caught off guard by this. Yeah. I'm, like, horse racing. I'm, like, oh, my Sorry. gosh. Like, when I'm, like, prepared to, like, teach for 40 minutes, like, that's okay. But, like, to hand them, I'm, like, oh, my gosh. Anyway, so all that to say. See what happens when you start to make transition? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure, for sure. Um, but I feel like this, when this started and God started moving in my heart for this transition to t- take place, I was – I felt God speak so clearly, one, that this is what I needed to do, and, and two, that the youth was going to thrive in this, and that he wanted this for the youth, and I didn't hear that for me. Like, I didn't hear him give me a word that says, you're going to be okay. And so it was really frustrating because I'm like, come on, like, I'm the one praying here, God. <laughs> like, like, give me give me faith right now, like speak to me right now that I'm going to be okay in this. And I still haven't fully gotten that. And so when Dan was telling in teaching team, when we were talking about this, it gave me so much joy when I realized that God is asking me to have trust for in him. He has proven himself time and time again for my family and myself. He gave me faith that the youth was going to thrive. He gave me faith that he has the youth and to be like, this is what I want for them. He gave me faith that I was supposed to do this move and this big transition in my life. Like, this is insanely huge. I've been in ministry full-time for nine years. This is the first time I'll be sitting here with you guys. And it's just like, I'm even sitting here with my daughter earlier during worship, and I'm like, I've never done this. Like, I've never just been a part of a family. Like, I've only ever been like, in ministry anyway so it's real a big transition and so it's scary but it's awesome to know that when dan gave this when in teaching team that this is an element i get to practice trust and and it's not just always going to be faith and it's weird that it's happening in one like you can kind of put it in one act or one story of a chapter of my life where like okay i know i have to move i know the youth is okay and you're gonna hope and have trust that you're okay <laughs> and so it's kind of wild in that anyway is that i'm like Do that's you? perfect okay. thank you peter <laughs> absolutely um so concluding mother Teresa quote from last week i will not pray clarity for you clarity is the crutch of the christian but i will pray trust for you that your trust will increase. Persuasion is the root, or trust, persuasion is the root of all three anchors. Trust, belief, and faith. Be anchored to all three if you can, but understand that sometimes God has you just holding on to one. Finish by reading a couple scriptures and we'll pray. Psalms 1, 1 through 3. How happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path of the sinner or join a group of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside streams of water that bears its fruit in season and who, whose lead does not wither. Leaves does not wither. Whether he does, what, whatever he does prospers. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. 
And then Matthew 6, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it talks about um, the lilies of the field, um, the, the, the little birds getting clothed and fed and all of that. And then he wraps up by saying this, if this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? And I want you to know that that term little faith is used five times in the New Testament, all with Jesus. Jesus uses that. You of little faith. Peter walks on the water, then the waves come and ca- crashes in around him. And Jesus snatches it out, puts him back in the boat and says, you of little faith. What that word actually means is exactly what it says, little hearing from God. So get the picture of what happened with Peter. Peter said, Jesus, is that you? Jesus said, yeah. Peter said, if that's you, tell me to come out on the water. Jesus said, come, Peter, come out on the water. He heard him. He stepped out. He started to walk on water, guys. He started to walk on water because he heard from God to do so. Then the waves came crashing, and it says that he heard the wind and the waves, and he started to sink. And Jesus pulls him out of the water and says, you who stopped listening to me. You who had little of my voice in that moment. In church, the enemy would love to steal away our ability to hear from God, but God is continually speaking to us. Be men and women of much hearing from God. All right? So here in this story, he says, you of little faith, do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Then he gives this counsel. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Church, God has you, and he doesn't want you to worry about anything that is coming up. He wants you to know that he has a gift of his voice and of faith to walk out and trust experiences, belief in the in the in the facts that he's given to you and understand that from time to time you're going to be wavering between those mooring lines those anchor points and the days where you're strong in faith belief and trust oh enjoy that season because many times you're just on one or the other but the great thing like a huge tripod you can hit a tripod as hard as you want and if it's got its legs extended it goes and then it comes right back down okay that's us when we get shaken as seasons change when we're moored into these anchor points. So Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the fact that you've given us a foundation to be firm on. Help us to moor to the experiences you've given to us, the convincing evidence that you presented before us, and then the persuasion that comes from hearing your voice. So Lord, help us to understand that from from day to day, we are, we are operating from one, if not all three of these things. And so, Lord, as I, as I started this message by saying <clears throat> these are practical things to be thinking about, Lord, remind us of these things as we live our lives, as we walk our relationship with you. And God, I pray that you would build our trust in you, that you would build our belief in you, and Lord, you would just build our ability to hear your voice because that's when faith comes. And so, Lord, we thank you for these things in your name. Amen.